Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. Welcome to episode 53 of DesignCast. And on this episode, I spoke to Fee Morrison. Fee Morrison is an infants teacher and digital literacy coach in Sydney, Australia. In early 2021, Fee founded the STEM Ed magazine out of a need to have free STEM resources for teachers in all kinds of teaching environments and locations. At the time of this interview, the magazine had surpassed 3,000 downloads in views. We have a great chat about how Fee became an an educator and what her vision is for the magazine. I'm confident you will enjoy this chat I have with her. Fee mentioned some really great people to follow on Twitter and they are included in the show notes. Also, there is a link to the STEM Ed magazine for your reference. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Fee Morrison. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of DesignCast, and I'm absolutely excited and super, super stoked to have Fee Morrison here with me. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am just so excited to talk to you because, as I was saying earlier, you were just setting the STEAM world on fire, and so I'm (laughs) absolutely excited to hear about this. So, Fee, if you don't mind telling everyone a little bit about yourself, and then what brought you to education, sort of your story into becoming involved in education? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Sydney, Australia. I am a mum of two young, very rambunctious boys. I've recently just returned back to full-time teaching last year after some maternity leave and some part-time teaching. I wasn't one of those people who grew up wanting to be a teacher their whole life. I had a range of aspirations growing up and leaving high school, I was set on being a florist. And then a family friend said to me, oh, do you want to come and work at this before and after school program with children? And I thought, why not? That sounds like it should be all right. And that's how I got into working with children. So I've I've been working with children in a variety of different sectors and different roles for about 15 years. I've done before and after school programs. I've done childcare. I've worked in a in a church as like a children's worker, children's pastor. And that's where I've just really developed my passion for working with children and helping children learn and to grow. And so I actually came to education as what in Australia we call a mature age student. I mean, I was 21, so not fully mature age, but enough that I realized that leaving school, that's what I wanted to do. And so I really enjoyed studying and learning and finding new and innovative ways of engaging children in learning. And yeah, it's just been a, a quite a journey over the last five or six years since I've been teaching. I've taught in, in a variety of different contexts in Australia, in public sectors, as well as independent sectors. I'm really passionate about the early years. So I've been teaching year one and year two since I started in teaching. And I find that that's really great too, because I've also got my two young boys at home. So I kind of have that, you know, that level of understanding because I'm kind of just around young kids all day, which is great, but also can be very tiring um, a lot of the time as well. I'm laughing because first, I do understand. And second, I also have two boys. And so I completely, mm. if anyone can empathize with you, it is me. We can, <laughs> so, we can um, share notes later on. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Mine are a little older, but I'll tell you what, it is definitely a mile a minute. It, it, it never gets old. There's never a dull moment. <laughs> That's great. So you didn't start out as a STEM teacher. So no. how did you get into that? So I actually didn't really know much about STEM prior to 2020. I came into the 2020 teaching year last year at a completely new school and I was sort of just winging my way through coming back into full-time teaching, trying to wrap my head around what it looks like, especially with you know young children at home. And then a global pandemic happened and I sort of inadvertently became the tech helper at school or one of the tech helpers. I wouldn't have said I was a tech person prior to 2020. I kind of had that love-hate relationship, mostly a hate relationship at that stage with technology. And so during COVID, when we started doing a little bit of remote learning, um, we were fortunate in Australia, we only had about a month or so of remote learning. But I had a lot of my colleagues coming up and asking me questions about how to use different tools. I don't even know how it really began, but I had a lot of my colleagues asking, how do I do this? How do I access this? How do I upload activities? How do I use Google? It was just sort of that one-to-one support that I was offering teachers. And that's where my love of technology came from. I realized that I actually really did enjoy doing technology in the classroom and integrating it to support students, as well as finding ways to help support the teachers at my school. So I've recently had a new role at school as well as a digital literacy coach, which is coaching and supporting the teachers at my school. But 
in terms of the overall STEM, my passion for that really came from engaging in Twitter. So if no one else is on Twitter, I highly recommend jumping on Twitter because it's just the most supportive, encouraging, positive environment for engaging with other educators that I've ever been in. I tell everyone it's the most amazing professional learning you'll ever do. And I learned so much from Twitter each and every day that I I can take away, I can take into my classroom. I've built up thousands of connections through Twitter, which really has helped me drive my passion project forward, which I'm sure we will touch on very soon. So in terms of STEM, I just sort of started learning about it through Twitter and sort of wondering what it was and how do I get involved in it and what does it look like in my classroom, specifically in the early years. I think we, we know a lot about STEM for the primary and the high school ages but I think there's a lot of people who are unsure well what does STEM look like for your kindergarten or your year one or grade one in Australia I just sort of kept learning I love to learn and and to try new things so I just spent all of last year soaking up information from the people around me googling and researching what I could trying and experimenting things in my classroom in term four of last year at the end of last year I I tried a cater to STEM club at my school just at lunchtime with a few students and and that was just amazing get to do minecraft get to do build challenges with lego you know all of that awesome stuff robotics as well as trying to do a coding competition with a group of grade three girls so it just was kind of this thing that just grew slowly but within a short amount of time at the same time i know that sounds a bit counterintuitive but you know within the year i just kind of gradually kept building on my knowledge of STEM until I just realized that it's just such a foundational part of what we're trying to teach students and instill in students. And so that's where I kind of decided that that's what I wanted to do with my career and with my life. That's that's my passion. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of confusion around Mm. how that can work with younger students, Mm. because I think especially people who maybe don't work with the younger year aged students, they assume that it's just playtime all the time or whatever. (laughs) But And that can be part of it. But the curiosity and the creativity there actually, I think, would outdo a lot of our middle and high school age kids. Absolutely. (laughs) I think we underestimate what little students, little kids can actually produce and do. And there's a lot of times where they'll teach me things or, you know, even integrating Minecraft into the classroom. You know, I've had a few colleagues who are a bit unsure about it. So I'll I'll model and say this, like, let's just have a go. And there's lots of times where I don't know much about Minecraft. I just love it so much. You know, the students go, well, I'll show you. And their faces beam because they're like, I'm the teacher and I'm teaching the teacher how to do this. And you're empowering them. And that's just a whole new level of learning and growth that they get to experience because they actually, you know, get to accomplish something and and feel that they have something to contribute as well. It sounds like you've taken opportunities outside of the normal instructional time to work with students in STEM. So is there opportunities within the curriculum to work with students in your school and STEM? Yeah, absolutely. So we, this term, for example, my colleague, my great partner and I incorporating STEM into our literacy unit. So you know, I really believe that STEM's transdisciplinary, it should be integrated into into what we're doing in the classroom because really 
when you think about our world, everything is integrated and everything's interrelated. So we should be trying to help students see that in their learning as well, rather than having literacy over here and maths over here and science over there, realizing that actually there are connections between all of these different things that we're learning. So this term, we've been doing a literacy unit and incorporating STEM into it. So our year one students have been using robots. They've been, we're making a slowmation, which is like a stop, stop, start animation. We, we did some, as you said, play. We've done um, some imaginative and role-playing kind of situations where they've had to engage in like a problem-solving design thinking kind of scenario but then when you think about their prototyping or how they're showing what they've created they had to do it in a play situation based on the work of laureate professor Marilyn Fleer from Monash University in Melbourne she's got this idea called conceptual play world so we've explored that so really just trying to engage students in a variety of STEM opportunities but also making it integrated into the curriculum so that the learning is holistic and it's meaningful for them. Absolutely. And you, you know, this is not a question I asked you earlier, but (laughs) you're mentioning some of the folks around Australia who Mm. are doing a lot of research in this. So what is the climate at the moment with STEM and STEAM in Australia and and the way the national curriculum works and whatnot? I think um, there is growing interest in STEM education. I think that it's moving beyond being a buzzword of, okay, we're going to do STEM now and educators realizing that it's actually a crucial part of what we teach and it's it's not an add-on to the curriculum. So I think one of the questions we discussed earlier was what are some of the challenges around STEM education? I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. I think there can be a feeling from educators of, well, I've got to fit something else in. We've got quite a lot of curriculum demands in Australia or, you know, in Sydney, there's lots of things that we need to try and include and and teach the students. And I think that's, again, where that transdisciplinary or integrated approach can help educators to, to feel a bit less overwhelmed by okay, I have to include STEM. It's like, no, you don't have to include it. It's not another add-on. It's actually something that you can integrate meaningfully into your into your teaching practice. There's, there's ways that you can be creative in how you do that. There is a lot of interest in it and it's growing. And even just seeing like, you know, as you said, like the climate, you know, on Twitter, when you're talking to educators on Twitter, there is so much interest in what's happening in STEM and people wanting to learn more about STEM. Like I have a lot of teacher friends outside of my school and when I told them about the project that I was starting, they sort of said, oh, I don't know much about STEM. What is it? And we talk about it and they're like, oh, okay, like we kind of do a bit here and there. And it's like, yeah, you're kind of already doing it, but you don't realize that you're doing it. So I think it's just making more educators aware of what STEM education is, that it's more than just content, it's building up skills for students. So I think that the awareness is growing, but we've still got a ways to go, I think. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think that that's probably the state in most places. You know, I Mm. think that's probably the situation that the transdisciplinary, interdisciplinary nature of it doesn't always fit into our current educational climate (laughs) because we often say, oh, here's math time, here's science time. So unless you're in a school that celebrates sort of that design thinking or innovative sort of Mm. mindset, maybe a Montessori school or somewhere where it's got a thematic sort of feel to it, it's really hard to to not differentiate when certain things are happening if that makes sense and so absolutely and i think like in australia because there is such a a focus on you've got to teach all of these things it really does feel like a crowded curriculum where it's like if you just were able to strip that away a bit to see okay 
you know, you can actually have STEM, but you're also teaching reading and writing and, and math all in the one spot rather than being like, okay, you need 40 minutes of maths every day or you need, you know, 60 minutes of English every day. Like if you just took away some of those restrictions and realized that you can actually integrate it all in a meaningful, authentic way, I feel like educators would feel a lot more confident to give those things a go. I completely agree. I could not have said that better myself, Fee. So thank you for that. <laughs> so tell me what's been easy. You're, you're talking about this is a relatively new concept, even at your own school. What's been easy for you to implement and where have you found resources? I think my school, I'm very fortunate. The new school that I'm at, we've got a lot of resources and we have a lot of access to robotics and technology and so you know we're doing a lesson where it's like okay we're going to try some blue bots or some dash robots we've got them all stocked ready to go whereas I know other places within Australia and worldwide that's not possible so I think we're very fortunate in that there are places in Australia I'm not sure if there are any in America or other countries but in Australia we do have some organizations that um, have like lending libraries for, for robotics and things like that so I think in terms of resources, we are very fortunate. So I think that's been helpful. And my school's also relatively receptive to allowing me to try new things. So prior to last year, I don't think many teachers did extracurricular groups. I I came from a public school where that's all teachers did was have different extracurricular groups. So I came to this new school. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run a a STEM club and I'm going to run a robotics club. This is going to be great. And I think some of my colleagues were like, why? Why would you do that? And it's purely because I'm passionate about it. And that's where you have your freedom to do things. I think that's where you can move away from the the restrictions you feel from the curriculum to be like, okay, we can do this. We can have this time and you can build whatever you like. You can play with the robots however you like and you don't have to worry about meeting these curriculum outcomes and, and things like that. So I think those are the things that I have found easy in terms of STEM at school. Again, you you mentioned this is a really kind of new new thing to you. And so I believe that's fueled a passion project oh. for you. So can oh. you go ahead? That's what we're really here to talk about <laughs> is your passion and this passion project you're doing. So can you tell us sort of how that got all started, what it's about, that kind of thing? Sure. I have lots of big ideas and sometimes I don't always think them through. That's basically how it got started. So I'm really passionate about STEM. I was really thinking at the start of this year, what am I going to do this year with STEM at my school? You know, over the past year, I've been engaging in in a lot of professional dialogue with STEM educators on Twitter. I really have a passion for helping teachers as well. Like I really want to be able to support educators as much as possible, which is really why I enjoy engaging on Twitter. So on Twitter, like, you know, middle of January, I sort of just put up a post and I don't know how it came into my head. I just thought of it. But I put out this hypothetical kind of question on Twitter that was like, who would be interested in a STEM magazine for educators? And I was just overwhelmed by the response from that. There were so many educators who were saying, yes, please, that's incredible. Can I contribute? I had like, you know, my inbox was flooded with requests to to contribute to this magazine that I hadn't even started yet. I had, you know, just a flurry of positive feedback and encouragement about this idea. And I thought, well, that seems like the kind of thing that people are needing right now. And so I would say I'm a pretty hard worker. So once I've got my my mind set on something, I just plug away at it. So I just sort of started responding to people and, and trying to build up this platform and it's just grown organically. So 
you know, we've just hit a thousand followers on Twitter this afternoon because again, like I already had my connections on Twitter with STEM educators. And so it's been the perfect platform for me to ask what STEM educators are wanting, what are they wanting to see, what are they wanting help with. And so this was all from mid-January. So it was two months ago and it's just kind of exploded. We released our first issue in February and it's had almost 3,000 readers it's just been incredible. And I think because it's been a free publication, I think educators have really appreciated the opportunity to have just free professional learning that's easily accessible. And it's really all about sharing the stories of teachers with other STEM educators around the world. So I've had in issue one, we had about 15 or 16 contributors from mostly from Australia, because that's where I'm from. And that's where my connections are from. But I've also had contributors from Canada, America, Hong Kong, sharing what they're doing in the classroom and also sharing some evidence-based research or, you know, academic approaches to STEM education. So I think that something that's been really resonating with people with the magazine is that it's a balanced approach between evidence-based STEM education as well as practical stories of what people are doing in the classroom so that they can just have a whole variety of resources that they can use and they can take away at a later date. So that's just kind of a bit of the backstory from the the magazine. It kind of basically just came out of nowhere and it's just gone off with a bang and we've just hit the ground running and we're still kind of running and occasionally I'm looking around thinking what's going on. I don't know what's happening because it's just taken off so quickly. Well, I mean, that's how we connected was I, I saw that and reached out and yeah. I can't believe that you've only been doing this since January. I actually assumed that you had been preparing this for quite a while because of how quickly <laughs> it came together. Wow. That is just, that's phenomenal that you've done that on top of having two kids and everything else. I mean, wow, that's yeah. that's amazing. I, yes. And I'm sure that no doubt I'll be leaving the link to this in the show notes for anyone who has not. Most likely the listeners have already read it, but if not, the few people who haven't will have the link because I'll tell you what, it's really neat. So what do you think the vision is now that it's sort of out and it's breathing a little bit and it's got, you know, a couple thousand folks? What what do you see happening? My ultimate goal is really just to promote STEM education worldwide. You know, as we said before, you know, some some educators are still a bit unsure of what STEM education looks like in the classroom or how they can, you know, practically in, implement it. And we also talked about that there's still a way to go with STEM education and broadening the understandings of it and, you know, how educators can, you know, in inverted commas, fit it in to their classroom teaching. So really, I think with the magazine, I just want to be able to broaden the, the scope of STEM education, not only in Australia, but globally, and to really support educators help them to feel connected to a group of educators as well. Like I'm really all about connection. I I try to be really authentic with, you know, the contributors and the readers in STEM education. And I, you know, I'm not an expert in STEM education by any means, but I'm very fortunate to have connections with a lot of educators who are so that I can share that experience and that expertise with educators across the world. I would love to be able to run the magazine full time. I think that would be brilliant. And, you know, just be able to do STEM education and promote that all day, every day, I think would be a nice spin off from that. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep working at night times to, to 
you know, power on STEM education as much as I can. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are sponsors waiting to throw money at you (laughs) for this, (laughs) knowing how many people are reading it and whatnot. So your dream of doing it full time might not be too far off in the future, but it's actually really, really nice to have something that's not put out by a company or that's not so academic that it's not practical. You know what I mean? It's a nice balance. And so I think that that's probably people that really appreciate that, that there's things they can read and take away. There's resources and whatnot. And so that's fantastic. I mean, I, th- I think that people are really, really happy to have that. And so that's great. Thank you for doing that. That's okay. I have a couple of just quick fire questions for you. So yeah, sure. what's an ed tech tool that you cannot live without? Uh, well, Minecraft followed very closely by a seesaw. I, love I was them. wondering if you're going to say seesaw being Every, that you're doing a lot of younger kids. Everyone <laughs> does seesaw, right? But yeah, it's just... It's perfect for learning with the younger students, right. as you said. And then what would what would you recommend everyone stop right now and read? Daily STEM by Chris Woods. As you said, it's got that practical, you know, all the information that you need to know about STEM education. Um, it's just written perfectly. Absolutely. Sorry, these are not very, very quick questions, are they? I'm explaining too much. No, Sorry. no, that's okay. No, these are quick. <laughs> this is great. I mean, these are things I always, I, I try to always ask. That's just great. Yeah, I, I think he's got some great materials and he's sort of been out there a long time. I'm doing stuff with STEM. So I think that it's great that you're doing that. So so you talked all about Twitter. Who, uh, who do you really, really find are the most important people, most relevant people to follow on Twitter? Well, I've got a few people. I won't mention their hashtags. I'm assuming that we can put them somewhere for a later time. <laughs> we can do time. those, yeah, in, this, in the, yeah, the show notes, sure. Um, so Chris Woods, who wrote Daily STEM. My editor, Dr. Sandy Nichol, she's an educator and academic from Australia. She's absolutely phenomenal. She's really passionate about engagement and she's really passionate about pre-service teachers as well. So, you know, really encouraging our next generation of teachers, you know, with that STEM focus. Rachel Lear is another amazing educator from Western Australia who's really passionate about STEM. Marilyn Lear, who I mentioned earlier, does the research on conceptual play worlds. So, for any early years educators around STEM, she's definitely one to follow. And I've got two people on there who are just incredibly passionate educators. They've been supportive of me since before day one with the magazine, and they just share incredible content. Two of my contributors, so Dr. Steph Smith and Beck Keogh, they just have incredible ideas. So I definitely recommend following all of those people. Awesome. And so I think a lot of my listeners are going to then really perk up to find out how they can get in touch with you. What's the best way to get in touch with you so that they can find out how they can contribute or Mm. how they can be part of the projects that you're working on or just reach out and, and connect? Yeah, absolutely. So I hang around a lot on Twitter, if you didn't already know. <laughs> so you can find me at Fee Morrison 2 on Twitter or STEMED Magazine is my kind of go-to username for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's pretty stock standard across the board. Or people can email me at hello at stemedmagazine.com. I'd love to have a chat with anyone about STEM. Sophie, if people want to be part of the project, I assume <laughs> that you're looking for a, like a wide variety of backgrounds and expertise? Absolutely. So my real vision for the magazine is to share the stories of educators across the globe. So K to 12 educators. So if you teach high school, if you teach kindergarten, if you teach, you know, middle school, if you're teaching whatever country you're teaching in, if you're engaging in STEM and you're wanting to share your story with other STEM educators across the globe, I'd love to hear from you. And if you're doing things in STEM education research, I'd also love to 
to get in touch um, and to chat about those things because, as we said before, it's really trying to find a balance of both the evidence-based and the practical stories so that we can, you know, sort of see how they're interrelated um, in our classroom practice. Fantastic. I think there's a lot of people out there who would love to share their story or love to share their activities or whatnot. And so, Fee, thank you again for all that you're doing. I'm sure that people are going to want to reach out and be part of this project or at least just enjoy what you guys have have produced and the content you're creating. So creating content regularly is not easy. And so it's great that you guys are just giving it a go and and that kind of thing. So before I sign off, I just have to find out who your favorite footy team is. Oh, Sydney Swans. I didn't know if it was that or Greater Western Sydney. I wasn't sure who you might oh, follow. So yeah, I'm, nice a, I'm a Collingwood ones. fan. And so um, <laughs> thank you so much, Fee. It's been so great chatting with you. And I am I am sure that you will be back on and we'll be talking about more great things in the future. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat again. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. I am so excited to announce the launch of a new podcast network called DNA Podcast Network. The Design Network Alliance, or DNA, was founded by Evo Hanan and myself as a result of DesignCast number 16. We talked all about the need to connect design educators globally. DNA is a collective group of like-minded design educators from around the world. We have one simple mission, to connect design and STEAM educators with each other and with designers that want to make a difference in design education to make it better for future generations. The DNA Podcast Network is a hub for podcasts that cover the topics around design, design and technology, design thinking, STEAM, and STEM education. If you are interested in hearing more great content, head over to www.dnapodcastnetwork.ga today. Click on the thumbnail of the podcast that you want to hear and enjoy. If you have any other podcasts that you enjoy that cover similar topics, please feel free to get in touch with me and let me know so that I can look at adding them to the network. Finally, spread the word. Share with your network and your PLN and use the hashtag DNA Podcast Network.